0: you know, all live events are theatre and theatre is essentially about manipulating emotions and whether you realise it or not, you've been manipulated to laugh yeah. or cry or think different, the same as when you watch a film. So that craft, that craft of creating and crafting live events or live experiences, when applied across all these different mediums and parts of our lives from the architecture, from the digital lives we lead to the conversations people have thinking they're talking about their own free will, but actually manipulated by something they read earlier to make people do and think and realise different things. I think that is fascinating. It's going to be used for good and evil, clearly, but that is where the world's going. And that is what fascinates
1: me and where a lot of my attention is being focused at the moment. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Life is about experiences. Find them or create them, as Will Glendinning likes to say. And Will has been producing, creating and directing events of all kinds for a very long time, whether that is a commercial business event or a new public space in the centre of a major city. He's also author of The Facts of Live, how live events are conceived, procured and produced to create the greatest value and impact. Will also has some interesting thoughts about the future where clever marketers will be manipulating the reality around us until we no longer know what's real and what's an advert. Well, I'm here with Will Glendinning. Will, I'm so glad you could make it to come no to the Ideas Lab. Thanks for having me. Well, we've been talking a little bit before we started recording about what you do, but how would you describe what it is? If I say to you the dinner party question, and well, what do you do, Will? How do you answer it?
0: Um, I do all sorts of things in the world of live, live events, live experiences. So by trade, I'm a producer, a designer, a consultant, creative, um, it depends who's asking, really. My work spans sport, the arts, entertainment, brands, government, but it all comes back to live stuff,
1: basically. And uh, you've worked on some fascinating projects, most of which I can't name because... <laughs> you I can name them, yeah. You can name them, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you can't say what part you played. in So have you given an example of the kind of things you've worked on recently that people might know of?
0: Yeah, so I've been involved in, I mean... Crikey, some of the largest events in modern history, really. Mm. So I was the event director of the Tour de France when that came through London. Wow. uh, Which kind of set the blueprint of how central London and the UK um, stage major events. Back in the day, there was this little thing called the Millennium Dome, um, now the O2 in Greenwich. Um, I've been the event director and project director of huge um, NATO summits with 40, 50, 60 world leaders attending, uh, producer of various festivals, including Mm. part of the... Olympic Cultural Olympiad, opening of theme parks, um, the list goes on, really. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. all large. It's not, not everything's large, but a lot of what I do is um, the large, complicated stuff. And you were telling me about your fascinations with experiences. And yeah. I think this is a really important concept for people to get their head around, because I think right now, at this moment in time, the experience you create for people has never been more important, even if what you're doing is providing information or expertise, which are a lot of people yep. who watch uh, my stuff are into, are doing for a living or want to. The experience people have when they take part in that is really important, isn't it?
0: I agree. And we were talking earlier, you know, as I arrived, that, um, quite often I bring the bad news before I bring the good yeah. news and the solutions. And so many people approach me about wanting to create an event or stage an event or create an experience. And quite often the first question I ask is, well, why? And we were talking about conferences and and different events we've been on. And, you know, if you're going to produce a conference or an experience or a seminar, and these people rock up, sit in a chair, watch someone talk for a couple of hours, and then leave. I mean, you can do that eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream on your sofa in your pyjamas. And they, even, just,
1: they often live stream it as well. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs>
0: um, it's just, you're not adding any value to that person. Um, it's sort of a waste of their time. You know, the experience is... I'm just no different to sitting on the sofa
1: yeah
0: um so if you are going to actually engage people and get people along to do stuff you want to you know many a marketing guru will talk about the same thing but you know work out what those people actually want you know i'm inherently an introvert and I, i'm quite you know quite shy and it takes a while to talk to people so if you're going to get me to come along to an event you know you need to find ways of you know either convincing me or helping me talk to other people mm-hmm. or finding those icebreakers or finding a way that i can mm-hmm. connect with people that i'm not scared of or afraid of or, or whatever else mm. um you know and things like food you know the amount of times people are put an event on in a hotel and they'll get the hotel caterer or um some posh restaurant to do the food i mean it's all very nice but particularly if you go into a lot of these things most people just want burger and chips There was someone i was talking to a while ago who runs a, runs a large company they wanted to take their staff of, i think it was 200 people something like that um I mean, it's a fairly ordinary event. I wanted to take them on a away day to sort about the company strategy and they were going to get this famous chef involved, um, get the best wine involved, you know, and all the rest of it. was so, like, you know, do that when it's sort of celebratory, but you want people to work and enjoy and be relaxed. You know, what do they actually want to eat? Well, they actually going to enjoy drinking. So I just focus on the people and what's important to them and yeah. everything else will then flow.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and what and people beginning the smart people will begin to discover that there's something else that happens in the room other than just you know, hearing somebody give a talk, mm. and and what that thing is that happens in the room is up to you. And you know, the example I was using is that actually from my own experience when I ran a thirty day challenge for six years, this this course I had over uh, three hundred people on it at a time. sometimes um a mutual friend Saskia started her business on. It was about the experience. And people go, well, isn't that just an online course? And you know, no, 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 it's, it's completely different because it's like the difference between listening to a CD and going to a festival. And I think increasingly because basically uh, content um, is kind of becoming commoditized. I mean, even TED, uh, TED Talks feel a little bit like they're done. Um, there's a very set format to them. I mean some of them are wonderful, right? But they yeah. it's it's beginning to feel a little bit tired.
0: I mean TED Talks are interesting. I mean they are fascinating. Yeah. Um but I don't know what it is now, 10 grand, 15 grand a ticket, whatever it is. But most of the sort of alchemy, the magic that happens at mm. TED Talks is who you're sitting next to or you're suddenly sitting next to Bill Gates of this or whatever yeah. it is, yeah, or some interesting artist. Mm. Um, you know, that's where the magic happens. Um yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I know and it, and it's it's that special kind of atmosphere you create and curating the uh, the audience, and, and and perhaps also what it stands for. Because I'm often saying to people, I run a thing called the Pioneer Program, and mm. one of the things we start with is, what is your vision of the world if it was working better in this particular space yep. that you want to help with, and if you can capture that in one message, what would it be? And if you built an event or an experience. That curated people to attend who held the same vision, then they're more motivated to talk to each
0: other, more motivated yeah. to come up with ideas. Yeah, that's tricky. You got to find out what the audience wants.
1: Um, yeah. Although, if you're a, if you're a thought leader in that space, you'll probably start to gather people around you who are of that ilk anyway. If you've got the clarity of of what you're doing.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. As get, it comes back again to what what's the audience interested yeah. in. Um, But yeah, if you are going to create an experience, it's, you know, the word event is such a strange word. It can cover everything from a wedding, a party, a rave, uh, a political demonstration Mm. through to the Olympic Games. Um, But it is the experience. You know, it's creating that experience and it's coming up with things people are actually going to care about. You know, in my view, again, this doesn't win me loads of friends, but I think lots or the majority of events or experiences that actually happen, are largely pointless for people other than those hosting them. Uh, (laughs) Well, it's true. You know, you'll sit down with, um, I'm not going to mention your name, but you'll sit down with CEOs or you'll sit down with, you know, C-suite executives or um, not all of them, but a a lot of people. So you want to create an event or a summit or, you know, a TED Talk version thing. um, And you'll say, why? So we've got these ideas. We want to lead all this thought leadership piece. We want to get the message out there. Think, okay well why are you staging an event you know if you want to get your message out there there's digital channels do that far better there's far better ways of promoting your brand and your ideals and all the rest of it than getting a hundred or thousand people in a room mm. yeah, and you, you drill down to it and eventually once you get to the bottom of all it, well, this it's ego you know people want to be standing on stage with Bill Gates or Richard Branson so they can get the photo and mm. um they satisfied it. There's nothing wrong with
1: that. Yeah, you know. I mean, but be honest. Be yeah. honest with <laughs> yourself, badly. if Nothing um, else. You're not you want the picture leader. of Bob Geldof, who is your keynote speaker? Yeah,
0: yeah, um, man, fine. You know, if, if, that, if that serves your marketing purpose mm. or some childhood ambition to stand next to Bill Gates, it's great. Um, but that's only going to be a good experience for you, yeah. not your audience. So it's, it's getting through that.
1: So, for people who are designing something that's a bit smaller. It might be some sort of live event or maybe they dream of creating a festival or uh, a, a workshop you know a lot of people I know dream of running a retreat somewhere exotic mm-hmm. that's going to you know change people's lives do you have any tip I mean is, is it really about starting with what you're trying to do for people or who they are or where should they start with?
0: That? well this may be obvious but I think if someone's if you've got an audience that want to come to your retreat are they going to like you they're going to, probably going to come anyway probably already sold before you sold it the stuff that really gets people's back up is all the boring stuff. Mm. You know, how am I getting there? Um, yeah. You know, what's the address? How do I get there? What are the travel options? What's the food? What's it? Am I going to have, do I need to bring change of clothes? All that stuff is what drives everyone potty. And that's, in my experience, assuming the content's good and your audience are going to mm. want to come and see you, that's the bit of changed change with the experience. It's from like when you get up in the morning to how you get there. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, I have friends, if I'm organized just with friends, if I'm organising I don't know, dinner or invite everyone for dinner. They'll get like the whole set of instructions. Like you come here, you do that, then press this button, mm-hmm. then call this number. Um, the food is this. Where this? Mm-hmm. The temperature is this. Um, you know, it's the whole experience. It's not just. Yeah. If
1: you're good at your craft, that's already going to be sorted. <laughs> but it's
0: it's looking at the whole end-to-end journey.
1: I, I um, <laughs> I volunteered. We used to have offsites so at a software company I was with that was it was, uh, it was part of Avi Technology. And yeah. they used to call them uh Tenby because they used to happen in Tenby because the founder was from Tenby, Tenby in Wales. And and uh, and long after we could fit in his little house in Tenby, or his parents' house, wherever it was, they were still called that. And um and then but what we would do is a big part of it is well, what do you want to change about the company? So it was really once we were there, oh. we were talking about that kind of stuff. And I volunteered to be uh, environment liaison officer, which just happened to spell out E-L-O, which <laughs> being <laughs> <Brilliant>. from Birmingham would <laughs> being quite into them I was a child was a bit of an in-joke. And, uh, and I would, like, organise things. I organised some company outing, and I did exactly what you do. So I sent the complete list of instructions. This is exactly what's happening, where you no one read and it. everything. And they all went, like, yeah, what time are we meeting? And they go, like, where is this thing again? Do I, what do I have to wear? Like, like it's in the email. Every seven reads. No. But you have to accept this. So if you're ever going to run an event or workshop, you'll realize if you're somebody who gets irritated by that, like like I am, you need some. people not following instructions. People not, yeah, people not paying attention and and what you need is somebody. Which is, which who, is most humans. Which is most <laughs> humans, and it's probably me if if I'm, you know, because these people were smart people, they were software developers and they were quite capable of following instructions. So um, what you need to do is you need to make sure there's somebody in your team who likes that sort of thing and loves helping people and making yeah, yeah. putting a smile on their face when they ask the same question as mm-hmm. the last 20 people. Otherwise, it's not going to go well. So, I mean, sometimes it's the little things that make an experience as well. I know, you know, I signed up for a course that was like $100, or supposedly. It was a lost leader, a guy called Russell Brunson. He does internet marketing. Yeah. You might see know, his yeah. face everywhere. Yeah. And, um, they send you this box, which is actually over there at the moment because you use it as a monitor stand. <laughs> it's the perfect size. sort of books? It's it comes with books and it comes, but it comes with some really cute little stuff. Like he he has the entire audio of the course that's going to be released uh, day by day. But he gives it you all as audio. But in an so MP3, you can do the whole course before you go on the course. Yeah, and it's it comes with it doesn't come with headphones, but it's an MP3 player USB stick basically, so you can walk around listening to Russell okay. should you want to. And he gives, and it's like full of packing, funky red packing material, and everything about it is exciting. And on the outside, it's got this Mission Impossible stuff because it's called something related. I can't remember now. And so these but little there, things there entire matter. Industry is entire industry about packaging and how people open. Like <laughs> it is, it is. Well, the expert industry has a lot to do with that. And you know, when with you that, walk in the room at, at a big live event, you know that's. that's but do
0: you think that's adding actual value, or do you think that's creating the illusion of value?
1: One I've determined. Is that I need motiv I need motivation, and I need to believe. So there are times when I'm on the point of buying something and I want somebody to sell me. And I want somebody to give me the rah-rah. So it's that because, bit of psychology, that bit of an LP too. Yeah, get, you know, I I want them to act like they are so excited that this is going to blow my mind. Even so I believe that they're capable of it. But I actually want that bit of rah-rah and excitement. And, and this is going to be the most amazing thing I want. Everyone likes to be excited. So it's like the, um,
0: you know, if you see Johnny Ive interviewed about how they designed the packaging for your iPhone. Yeah. And you take the lid off the box. The fact I that mean, it opens slowly and you get that kind of airlock, <laughs> um, space-age airlocks. Um, you know, regardless of what you think of the iPhone, yeah. it increases the perceived value of that.
1: Well, I saw the, uh, somebody doing an unboxing of the Pixel 4 from Google. and no, a new one. Yeah. yeah, and L.O.N., like, have you ripped everything off Apple? It's exactly the same right. as the iPhone box. It's like, come on, guys. Is there something original you can do here? And arguably, some people say the Pixel's for far better phone than the iPhone and, and so on, but it's like...
0: <laughs> it's like psychology, is perfume bottles, isn't it? That's how you get your 100% yeah.
1: markup on a bit of perfume. Well, Seth Godin tells that story of, um, of what, I think it's wine, where you do, you do wine tasting and you tell people the wine is more expensive, It tastes better to them. But what's really bizarre is if you put their brain in a scanner, they actually are tasting better wine when they think it's more expensive. Their brain is responding differently than if it's not. And to be honest, to me, what that says is an awful lot of life is just uh, manipulating our emotions. So we want to manipulate those in the right direction so that... You know, I want to be excited when I'm driving to the festival or getting the train to the festival. I don't want to feel like, mm, is this going to be any good? Mm-hmm. I want to feel like it's going to be amazing. And, of course, it is to be fun when I get there. But, like,
0: don't you? It's it. the same when you go and buy an Audi. You know, you buy your yeah. Audi
1: for 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever I don't know what
0: it costs, whatever yeah. an Audi costs. You know, and the most exciting part for some of the family <laughs> when you get the free umbrella when you need a dealership. Yeah. It is.
1: I mean, people will <laughs> literally... But there are little add-ons, and, I, and I've, I've talked about this sometimes with, with people uh, around selling and copywriting. People will buy something for the add-on. They'll buy the Audi for the Audi cap, which you can only get. The only way can't. you can get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when I got a Mini, I got very excited. But I, bought, I think I got a Mini mug or something. I can't remember what it was. I bought this Mini Roadster, which is like zip coolest Mini ever made. <laughs> <laughs> of and it comes with a, a mini mug and something else that you throw in. And I was so excited. He could have, like, you know, forget... Well, that's much more me... Instagramable, isn't it, I suppose, as well. <laughs> yeah. but here's my new mini. You
0: yeah.
1: know? He's going <laughs> to me a few hundred quid off. If I think... Go on,
0: yeah, yeah. now go on. I think your point about the... Uh, I don't know if it's a trend, but I see an increasing issue I see. I don't think it's an issue now, but it's becoming one, is... know the way the majority of people now learn to interact is online
1: yeah
0: you know god forbid if facebook existed when i was like 13 14 20 years old Mm. i doubt i'd have such an introvert and so shy i don't know if i'd ever left the hats and that's the way people are now learning to interact and on one hand it's great because they get much better exposure to different people and can meet and chat to people online but when you put them people in a live environment so say i've had we were both 20 or something um or looking a few years down the line. And when we turn up to an event, I'm probably going to be more comfortable trying to find you using some location app on my phone than I'm mm-hmm. coming up to go, hi, you uh, you'll top and who's the lady in the t-shirt yeah. and all the rest of it. Because it's not a natural thing for us, whereas it may have been for a previous generation. So anything people can do to actually get people talking to each other yeah. when they first turn up. You know, you go to these events, like the, um, you know, the marketing training events you're talking about. It's like you get funneled in here you know, whether it's a Tony Robbins event or a, or a more niche 20-person workshop, you, you get registered, you get a little badge or something or a lanyard, and then you get sent to the tea and coffee area. And then there's this awkward pregnant pause when you've got three people around the tea and coffee and no one wants to talk to each other because, <laughs> oh, what do I say? They haven't, there's just not that skill set there. So yeah. anything you can do. Um,
1: so say- that's, that's probably semi-deliberate with those people because they know that what's going to sell is not you talking to each other. Mm. Uh, and uh, what's going to sell is you looking at the speaker and looking up to the speaker and also wishing you are in the VIP seats at the front for cost more money.
0: Well then, you, well, then you're trying to create a nice experience for them or are you trying yeah. to
1: maximise your own...
0: I mean, it's a, it's a difficult yeah. dilemma, I guess. Um, you know, maybe every event I'm involved with or um, you go to, you see the same thing, people wandering around, and probably the same people sort of work in the room trying to network because that's their natural yeah. um, personality state. But there's a lot of people sort of sitting in the corner eating their hobnobs, dunking in a cup of tea, wishing someone would talk to them and not yeah. wanting to make that first move. So,
1: And have you seen any clever ways of getting over that?
0: People. It's mm. people, it's talking to people. Um, I mean,
1: yes, ta- you can go to any
0: event agency or any who designs experiences, and they'll come up with a million different ways of creating ice-breaking exercises or workshops, mm-hmm. and call it what you want. Um but it's people. People like being valued and spoken mm-hmm. to. And um,
1: so, do you mean that people who who are working for the event could start that process?
0: Yeah, either the person running the event or the hosts, yeah. or um, on some events, we even have people planted to look like audience members to, uh, you know, ask questions, which is obviously, but also actually go around and saying, "Well, hi, you're John on him. What are you interested? In? Oh, you should come and meet Claire because she does X, Y, and Z."
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, it costs nothing. Yeah. Um, it does require research. It does require effort to know what people are interested cool. in. Um. It's the same way politicians lobby um clearly works you know you, <laughs> you work the room you just get people connected and talking um
1: yeah. yeah and you're passionate about where experience is going where where the world of experiences is going yeah or, or what's your opinion on that what events are already like i say we are at a moment in time and they've never been more important
0: yeah i think the future is quite interesting i mean you know, I work in the world of events, but events is such a ridiculous term; it doesn't really mean anything. Um, and if you use the words events, everything sort of pigeonholes into weddings and parties. Um, but it's about experiences, and I think what's fascinating for me in the future, what's happening now a bit, but certainly in the distant future, is the boundary between reality that we're in, and the reality we live in, and a version of reality that is manipulated um, in the interest of selling more stuff, or communicating, or entertaining. Are going to become incredibly blurred um, to the point where reality becomes quite abstract. I mean, we sort of exist in that world now. I mean, at at one end of the spectrum, you have things like you know, World—I don't know what it's WWF, the World Wrestling Federation—where you have the heavily stage-managed wrestling sporting events. Everyone loves it; it's great. Um, But the storylines are plotted out um, and then they play out. It's manipulated reality. Uh, and that generates huge tribes, huge businesses at the back of it. It's a huge entertainment and lifestyle phenomenon. That's kind of the obvious side of it. Um, the other end of the spectrum we were discussing earlier is you know there are large portions of society that take what they see in the media and on the news at face value, and that will influence how they vote in a democratic election. You know, so do we live in a democracy? It's a, it's a whole debate. You know, what is reality? Is our reality perceived in order to get us to vote a certain way? Um, so they're kind of the two end of the extremes, I guess, at the moment. But it's going to start affecting everything in our lives. You know, the architecture we live, work and play in is, becoming, is uh, becoming more automated and being designed to be more immersive or um, influence behaviour. You know, shop design, retail design, commercial design is designed to get you to move in a certain way, buy certain things and think certain things. Mm. Um, you know, our existence online is heavily manipulated, as you know, with various algorithms tracking what we're interested mm. in. All this is merging together. Um, I think it's only a matter of time um, before all of that is glued together and people start creating experiences um, which are much more sort of long-tail, long-term things. So, you know, for example, if you and I walk out here now and go for lunch somewhere, if we see, um, you know, an accident in the street or some people protesting in the street, you know, we don't know whether that's, really, we don't really know whether that's or whether it's some flash mob thing, we may then report it, journalists may see it and report it, um, and that becomes news. And then it might turn out down the line that it was actually a, a long tail news piece to promote some product or service down the line. You know, and if you're watching House of Cards and the last episode of the finale the House of Cards gets played out in the actual Senate, um, you don't know whether you're watching reality. This is fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, technology is helping, but it's also, you know, all live events are theatre. And theatre is essentially about manipulating emotions, and um, whether you realise it or not, you've been manipulated to laugh yeah. or cry or think different, the same as when you watch a film. Um, so that craft, that craft of creating and crafting live events or live experiences, when applied, across all these different mediums and parts of our life, from the architecture, from the digital lives we lead, um, to the conversations people have, thinking they're talking about their own free will, but actually manipulated by something they read earlier um, to make people do and think and realise different things. I think that is fascinating. It's going to be used for good and evil, clearly. Um, yeah. But that is where the world's going. And that is what fascinates me and where a lot of my attention is being focused at the moment.
1: That's it. That's, it's quite hard to grasp, yeah. um, but it's, it's fascinating. And f- uh, for me, you know, what one realising I'm doing is when I wake up in the morning and I'm making breakfast, I, I will listen to something. In, in fact, I've always been a deliberate deliberate manipulator of my mood. Mm-hmm. So I sort my... Uh, music by, well, by by two mood. categories by electronic and non-electronic because I'm a big electronic music fan but then <clears throat> within those two categories from sort of mellow and mild yeah. to very upbeat and very distracting and, and to the point of you know industrial techno it's very aggressive. And so uh, according to where my mood is if I want to push it up or down then I will you know play where well, it used to be taking CDs out or vinyl out. And now it's Spotify playlists. And i that's the way I think about it. But I also think about it when I'm playing some uh, a podcast or an audiobook in the morning. And I think, well, what mood do I want? Am I already a bit frazzled? In which case, I don't want to be more extra stimulated. Mm-hmm. But do I want something that makes me, that just feels like I can switch my brain off and I can laugh? Or do I want something that's going to motivate me and push me a bit? And so we can, we can become... Sophisticated users of that stuff, and I'm well aware that all of that is to be taken with a pinch of salt. I mean, I'm reading a book right now that's sort of semi-spiritual, which I sort of semi-believe, but I find is having a good effect on me. Mm-hmm. I
0: think <laughs> this is, and Was book recommended to you by someone? Uh,
1: some it's a book by Kyle it's called the "Illusion of Money," mm-hmm. and I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's Kyle interesting. Says- Kyle sees, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and he used to be a stand up comic, That's and right. then he became um, an inspiration. I think he was the guy Joe Rogan was rubbishing the other day, and he said, he's, a, he's a bad stand up comic who became this cheesy motivational speaker. But I think actually his book is quite interesting, and actually, the book is about the nature of reality and what money really means. And um, I find that very interesting. So I'm already kind of understand. What's going on? And I do take an interest in Scott Adams' take on politics, you know, the Dilbert guy. Mm-hmm. If you follow him, you know, he's always deconstructing the criticism of Trump. Now, I don't buy everything Scott says, and I'm never going to become a, a supporter of President Trump. But he does a very good job of deconstructing the stories around him, which are now taken as absolutely true. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what do you he, say the stories around it? i mean the media stories around it, but, uh, <clears throat> the media yeah. reports so for instance the uh, the uh, uh, this <laughs> self gained to very dodgy territory yeah, but he famously seemed to ridicule a disabled reporter at a at, at a I remember uh, the news speech. right and he did his kind of emotional, like oh i don't know what i'm doing and people went oh my god that guy's got uh, you know a problem with his arms you're making fun of him and he goes like no it wasn't i mean somebody cut together on youtube a series of clips over the past 10 or 20 years where Trump makes this gesture about anyone who's flailing around in life, mm-hmm. including himself. So he even said, like, if... if um, what is what So call? their point being that... Their point being if, that... Even though Trump thinks he'll judged,
0: it's what he doesn't want
1: to do. He, well, he's never smart enough to think through, I better not do this because yeah. the guy's disabled. But but he's, but he's also he doesn't really care and he doesn't think in that kind of way. So um, But anyway... I'm convinced now from watching that clip that this is just a thing he does. And it was coincidence that the person he was describing actually has something wrong, uh, some sort of spasticity yeah. type uh, stuff in the muscles. And, um, and and But everyone's so convinced, and, and Meryl Streep did her Oscar speech or whatever it was, mm-hmm. an award, about what the monster he was because of this thing. I and mean, then everybody shared it the next day on Facebook, and everybody reported on Meryl Streep. But it isn't true. Now, but, it, but, but then again, you can look at it and go, I saw him ridicule the disabled guy. I know it's true. But How it's not, can it's you not true. It's, not it's, true. A, it's, a,
0: it's a version of truth. You're or, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and I think that is very interesting. And what he's saying is, when you become, in the same way that um, the very strong Republicans saw Obama as an absolute monster, when most of us were certainly in Europe, looked at him and went, oh, this is the most sane person we've ever seen in charge of mm-hmm. America... Well, I did, anyway. Mm-hmm. But for, um, you know, the the, the very uh, the right-wing Republicans, they just believed everything Fox told them and saw different videos to what we saw. They saw him look like an idiot. So every photo I see of Trump, he looks like a fool. Now, there's probably a certain amount of truth in that. But he, he never looks particularly presidential. But if you follow, that's why I started following him on Instagram and Facebook uh, because actually you see photos where you think, oh, actually he does look kind of presidential. Statesman-like, yeah. So it, it's it's that if you just go down one line of uh, vision, you you just get one story and it's all just a story. I think it's
0: an interesting point. I think a better way or a more understandable way of articulating what I was trying to get across is if you exist on Facebook, for example, mm-hmm. you know, you're facebook feed to your point will exist to stuff that you watch yeah so if you um, aren't a trump supporter your facebook feed is going to be full of anti-trump stories mm. um pictures of him not looking very presidential but if you're a staunch republican and have followed trump all your life and you love him your facebook feed is going to be full of um presidential like imagery yeah. um which resonates with you but that currently is pretty much just online at the moment yeah. but my point about events and experiences and how all these different worlds are going to combine in the real world is your real world is going to be the facebook feed of your reality right so you know if you love doing certain things understanding mm-hmm. and um, or if you love doing certain things and going to certain places and subscribing to certain things mm-hmm. your experience in life the people you meet the things you buy um your perception of different experiences is going to be Manipulated in that same way. We mm. I can argue about whether it's good or bad, but it's just going to be the reality. Right. Um, you know. So, and I just think that's going to become more and more manipulated. Going be more and more tools to glue that together um, to create short
1: so experiences. Is this about as well. technology, or is it just about people getting smarter about experiences?
0: I think technology is the catalyst, but you know, you and I have found each other because I, mean, I think we're chatting online somewhere, mm. and someone introduced us. Um, so I looked you up, you looked me up, I found what I would have wanted to have found about you based on whatever my algorithm was saying and mm-hmm. likewise with you. Um, and then we ended up chatting about things that we um, were either both interested in or, or have yeah. in common. Um, someone else may find you and talk about something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that could be manipulated so that the person who introduced us could have told us individually something about each other that was something completely different for yeah. their own name um, and then told us to meet in a certain restaurant or go by the shop or mm. whatever else it is um, or make sure that we walk past a certain bit of architecture at certain times so we both see a thing on the billboard piccadilly yeah. circles wherever else it is and that forces us to discuss something which we then talk about in your podcast that yeah. everyone else then sees yeah. that is going to become quite metro and quite. Um,
1: and we're all going to get smarter that, aren't we? And we, we're starting to get there. I mean, I remember when I first moved to London, I was looking, I was house hunting, and I washed up in, well, I was told it was Highgate. It was really East Finchley. Highgate it, it Borders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always a thing when you're house hunting in yeah. um, in, uh, in London. They go like, where is it, Highgate? And then you go, what tube should I get off? And they go, East Finchley. Mm. <laughs> anyway, he said, come out of the East Finchley tube and cross the road and go into the park and then exit uh take the first exit on the left now the fact is that's not a quick route to where i was going to see but what it does is you walk through the park it's actually really nice there's loads of squirrels in there and there's you know dogs and people playing with the children and it's it's quite beautiful tiny little park and then you emerge and you go and see the and i was i was kind of sold at that point and um uh and he done it deliberately. And he used to work for the He managed landlord. your experience. Yeah. He managed my experience. He used to work for Enemy. He used to be in the music industry. He's had rock stars so we are staying at the at the house at times. And uh and so he understands how to do that, how to uh, manipulate. Yeah, I mean I'm talking about sort of
0: the long distance future. But there's there's things that are happening now, like early versions of mm. this manipulation of this manipulation of reality. So there was a um I don't know when it came out, there was a uh, the Dark Knight, you know, the Batman film, came mm. out five, ten years ago, whenever that came out. It was an amazing, um, well, some people call it a PR campaign, some call it marketing, some call it an event, some call it experience, mm. kind of academic. Um, but there were a number of uh, political campaigns that were run, um, mm. I think it was in New York, but certainly in, in a city in the US, um, campaigning for Harvey Dent to be the mayor of Gotham City. But they were just run like normal adverts in normal magazines uh and normal newspapers. And that um, then spawned an entire online community, Mm -hmm. an entire um, swathe of different events. Mm -hmm. And people were marching through the streets, like actually Mm -hmm. physically marching through the streets with placards saying vote for Harvey Dent. Wow. For a thing that wasn't even real. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that happened. People were watching and going, who the hell's Harvey Dent? And suddenly you're Googling Harvey Dent. You go, oh, there's a film coming out. You know, what is that experience, an event? But it's a different version of reality. And, as, you know, another example was, um, I forget which product it was for, but it was a number of phone boxes um, back when phone boxes were a thing before mm. mobile phones existed. Um, and they all rang at different times in the US and loads of journalists started picking up on it um, and reporting about all these random phone boxes ringing at different times. Mm. Um, it was so interesting that journalists started talking about it on the news or writing about it in the papers, I forget. Um and once they had the, once this coverage was happening, mm. that's when, I think it was a technology company, that's when a technology company rang them up, mm. rang the phones again and said, look, we've connected all these people, isn't it amazing? You can do the same thing by buying our, I think it was a software product, or buying our yeah. software product. So you're, you're controlling people's experiences right. and realities for different aims. Um, yeah. that, that's what fasc- That's where everything's going.
1: And that, you know, um, yeah, marketing will go that way increasingly and, and it's... And communication it's and lobbying and yeah. I mean, it all sorts of ethical
0: questions. But I think entertainment will go that route as well, or to a point. You know, some interesting conversations I'm having at the moment with. Um, trying to use a tangible example. Um, you know, if you imagined a, um, without mentioning anything actually happening, uh, if you imagine a um, political drama, for example, you know, a bit like it's happening in the UK, at the moment, but if you imagine a, a fictional um, political drama happens on TV, your typical 12, 13 episodes, you know, the entire nation is hooked on this periodic series of active, um, episodes that get broadcast each week. Um, imagine at the end of the so it's a 13-episode series, imagine the end of the 12th episode, everyone's now going, "Oh well, my God, what's going to happen in the finale? The whole country's talking about it. Um, can you imagine if at the end of that episode there was an announcement saying there's not going to be um, a 13th episode in the way you expect or it's not going to be... Um, you know, at the same time next week, the 13th episode is actually going to happen live in the House of Commons or in Parliament itself. Yeah. Um, wow. Only a 1,000 people. Can you imagine how much those tickets will sell for? You know, the ethics for another conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but those 1,000 people will pay through the nose yeah. to watch that live um, House of Cards or political drama yeah. type thing in the House of Commons. Um, and then it may spill out of the street if it's something that people are writing about or lobbying about in the, in the fictional mm-hmm. thing on TV those demonstrations could happen around the actual houses of the park. It's just, you know, are you watching reality or are you watching yeah. content? Are you watching entertainment? You know, could you watch the could the finale of the Game of Thrones be played out across the South Downs or some yeah. through the valleys of Hawaii or wherever? <clears throat> yeah.
1: I mean, just the, of the first, yeah, I mean, the first people who do this, who do something big like this, it's going to cause, it's going to be massive, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't think they'll, I don't,
0: hmm. I don't think there will be a sea change. I think there would be thing, different things. Yeah, will there, start will be,
1: there will be, like, in the same way that Live Aid was like a a moment in time that said, there's some, something about festivals, but they have a cause. You know, that changed everything. And then and then that kind of spurned loads of.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't, because you're dealing with reality and you're dealing with real people and experience, I don't think you can completely force it. People have to kind of realise things and do things in their yeah. own, own volition you know it's when people try and do like viral marketing
1: campaigns and,
0: yeah, yeah, you know a brand will go to an agency and we, want a viral, we want our video to go
1: viral it's not going to go viral so it's somebody like, will get it right somebody, exactly. somebody will hire Will yeah. and do well, it will be reasons. that moment in time yeah yeah, um, and, and it will and it will everyone just go oh my god this is incredible I mean the um, uh, Secret Cinema has, uh, has had a you know a lot of success I don't know how much money they're making they got into trouble with um, one of their events uh, it was it was delayed or cancelled. Um, but I think I think they're still going. I'm not yeah, sure. They are here. Yeah. and um, there's a couple of things like that. So I think it's fascinating. So um Yeah, yeah. And if people want to know, this is, this is we should mention your book before we finish. you can do if you want. This is quite a technical book, you said, the facts have lied, but if you actually want to know, because we'll these, you know, apart from these fascinating discussions, actually gets into the nitty-gritty of Of how real big events that cost an absolute fortune work. Yeah, true. Um, So, so it's 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 a book for people who are, if you're going to run your own festival, you might actually want to read it.
0: Well, the book's primarily aimed. The reason I wrote the book is because there's, you know, live events are quite nebulous. People call them different things. You know, Mm. Um, if you're doing anything live, you know, producing or procuring or conceiving something live is an actual. Discipline, it's a craft, but it's a craft that so few people understand, like architecture or legal, professional, mm-hmm. medicine. No one really kind of gets it. Um, and there's so much wasted time, money, and effort, whether the event's tiny or enormous. Um, so there's not ever been, really, in one place a guide on how to actually you know, conceive live events, yeah. procure them if you're going to get someone else to do it, um, or actually glue a team together mm. to produce them. So...
1: Great. Sorry. So the, of- fa- the facts of live, how live events are conceived, procured, and produced <laughs> to create the greatest value and impact by Will Glendinning. And uh, you can get that on Amazon right now. You can. So. um uh, bedtime so reading. That's been fascinating. Mm-hmm. I could speak for another hour about this. So when we, I, I'm just waiting for the first person to hire you to do one of these incredible things and to have it, you know, just.
0: Well, there's various conversations
1: going on. Are there? We'll see. Yeah. Oh, okay. I hope you give me an inside nod when it happens. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks very much for no, right. the ideas, Will. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.